I'm actually really excited about this morning. I'll get into that but in a second, but first let me, let me just pray for us. Dear God, what we need is you. We don't need me. Um, what we need is you. We need you to do what only you can do, which is reach past all the distractions we have, all of the fears we're wrestling with, all of the concerns that have been weighing down our heart, reach past all the to-do lists we have cranking out in our head, reach past all the things that keep us up at night, worrying about tomorrow, just reach right past all that stuff to our hearts and help us to see you and hear your voice through your word. That's what we need. We don't need more of us. We need more of you. I just pray that this morning as we jump into a brand new series and uh, dive into your word together that you would just make it clear your spirit would work and move in us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, welcome 930. So glad that you are joining us. and Welcome Tremont and online. We're glad you are here and a part of Grace Free Church wherever you are joining us. We are starting a brand new series today and it's called Happy Is. And now, now what's special about this series is this is one of the series of messages that my father, our congregational care pastor who passed away October 6th, designed from his hospital bed. The good news is you won't be hearing any of my series for the next like eight months. Not because Happy Is is eight month long series. Nobody wants to talk about anything for eight months, right? Um, but because he like laid out a whole bunch of sermon series from what would essentially become his deathbed. And how incredible is it that a dude could be so spiritually locked in in their relationship with God, that they could write a sermon series facing imminent death about happiness. <laughs> Is that cool or what? So we're jumping into this series, and I'm sure it's going to be complex for me, but I'm just going to embrace the mess and jump in, and we're going to jump in together over the next, I think, five weeks. We're going to look at happiness. It's something we all chase, but can we talk about happiness for a minute? Because I think sometimes our, our pursuit of happiness our, our efforts towards happiness get confused because we're grasping for something that cannot live up to the expectations we place on it. So the title of the message today, the series is Happy Is. The title of the message today is Happy Isn't. And to make it even more encouraging and positive for you, we're going to jump into a passage, Psalm 1, that starts in talking about how to experience happiness by saying, this is how not to get it. <laughs> I wanted this series to be such a positive thing, but I find myself having to unpack a lot of baggage I have with this idea, with my pursuit, with my history, with my past experiences, with my future hopes all centered on getting happiness. Now, I don't know anybody that says, I don't want to be more happy. If you walked in here to church and you're saying, like, I just want to be miserable, that's why I'm coming to church. One, <laughs> I don't know how I feel about that. Um, <laughs> and two, no, you know, that just didn't, ha it didn't happen. We all want happiness. We all chase happiness. But we think in our approach to happiness that it should be the default. Have you ever got stuck thinking 
it's part of the trap. Happiness is, should be my default. I don't know why I'm not happy. You ever said that? Hey, I should be happy. I don't know why this relationship is so hard. Don't you wanna just be happy? I don't know why things don't seem to work out for me and even when they do work out for me, why am I not happier? Have you ever said things like that deep down in your soul? Have you ever wrestled with that? Have you ever looked at somebody across the kitchen nook? Do people still have those? <laughs> I don't know. I lived in a house in Cresona one time and it had a kitchen nook. Have you ever look across the kitchen nook at somebody and say, don't you just wish we were happier or are you happy? Because I'm not feeling happy in this relationship right now. You ever... Do you ever wrestle with those questions or those thoughts? I think sometimes we approach happiness like it's the default. Now, even secular psychologists acknowledge that that is not true about our existence. It's something that scripture backs up. We know our default since the fall is one of brokenness. The default that we experience in life is sin. The Bible calls it our sinful nature. Everything fell in the Garden of Eden. It's, it's a condition that we perpetuate with every broken decision, with every failure, with every time we miss the mark, we participate in it. And, but yet we approach life like happiness should be our default. And then, and then it gets worse because we look at everybody else and we think, why can't I be as happy as them? Can I tell you married people that you may not have spoken it out loud, but you have looked at other couples and their Instagram feeds and them holding hands on a beach and you've said, why can't we be as happy as they are? And you have no idea that it's a train wreck behind all the filters. <laughs> you have no idea the amount of chaos and stress they have been through. Come on, it's true. Like, we look at other people and we think, why can't I be, I'm not as happy as I should be because default, my default should be happy. And I, and I see that person walking around school and they're smiling and they're laughing with their friends all the time and I don't feel that. Why can't I be more happy? You see, the, the second part of our misunderstanding of happiness is that we think it's a default and everybody else is happier than we are. <laughs> and then we think we're broken. There must be something wrong with me because I'm not happy all the time. There must be something wrong with our relationship because we go through really rough patches sometimes. There must be something wrong with how I've, my, what I've done in my past because I should be feeling better about life right now. I should be feeling more purpose at my job right now. I don't know why... Everybody else is happier than me. Maybe it's just because something inside me is broken. And then we think, if only I could get rid of the bad feelings, the bad things, I would be happier. If I could find somebody I'd fight less with. <laughs> It's not, it doesn't exist, but I'd be happier. <laughs> if, I could, if, I could, if I could get rid of the negative feelings, if I could get rid of this 
garbage I'm going through, if I could get rid of the sadness, if I could get rid of the depression, maybe I just need to change jobs or change people. Maybe I need to change locations. Maybe I need to change churches. Maybe I need to change preachers. After all, he's wearing a jacket that reminds me of kids wearing snow suits. You you hear that? Can you hear that? (laughs) I put it on. I thought, I look cool. And then as I was walking into the church this morning, I thought, I don't look cool. I sound ridiculous. (laughs) Now I got to try to preach without moving my arms. (laughs) It's like the Christmas story, right? The little kid who's dressed like running down the street. (laughs) If I eliminate everything that has bad feelings, I'll be happier. But guess what? The stuff we really want in life comes with both. If you have love, real deep love, you're gonna experience loss. If you're gonna have the beauty of intimacy with some person on this planet, you're also gonna feel the struggle of frustration when things aren't just jiving. Jiving. There's, there's no perfect person, there's no perfect job, there's no perfect solution. We can't find this thing that we think we can find, this happiness. We keep chasing it. We keep chasing a feeling. But happiness isn't a feeling. It's not just a feeling. And we want to have more happiness by eliminating eliminating all of the bad stuff and the bad feelings, but the best stuff in life comes with both. It comes with everything. It's complex, and it will be perfect one day. But I don't think you want to race to that finish line right this morning. One day you'll step into a perfect experience But that can wait until God's timing. For now, the default is not happy. The people you think are happier than you, they have the same struggles as you. You're not broken. You're normal. And the best things of life come with their fair share of sadness and joy, beauty and struggle, Peace and pain. Now that you're all super excited, (laughs) it's very encouraging, pump you up, tell you what you want to hear, speech. (laughs) Let's talk about what happiness isn't. Happiness isn't just a feeling. In this series, we're going to look at all these statements where the Bible, mostly the Hebrew part of the Bible, which is everything from like middle back or Old Testament back, everything from Matthew, the birth of Jesus, back to the front of the book. Um, We're going to look at the Hebrew word for happiness, which is often translated blessed. And I want to read to you the passage we're going to talk about this morning, Psalm 1. Good news for you all. Really good news. You're going to be so stoked about this. The countdown clock is broken right now, so I have no idea when I'm supposed to get off the stage. (laughs) Somebody's here this morning. I was feeling like I was all alone in this room. 
Psalm chapter one says this. If you're following, and there's lots of notes to take, right, like on this one, um, it's, it's a beautiful psalm, and it starts like this. On your phone, this is the NIV, or, or on a real paper Bible. If you need a paper Bible, we have them at all locations, except online. Online, you're gonna have to steal it from your neighbor when they take the trash out or something. But at our real physical locations, we have Bibles for you, they're free, please take one. Psalm chapter one says, blessed is the one who does not walk in the step with the wicked, or stand in the way of sinners, or take the the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his law Day and night. You should circle that but right there at the beginning of verse two. That's a really important transition. In verse three, it says, That person, talking about the person who delights and meditates on God, that person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither, whatever they do prospers. Not so the wicked, they are like chaff. Every time I say that word, I think of chafing. (laughs) And then I think of Andy from the office trying to run the 5K. You know what I'm talking about? If you know, you know. If you don't know, you don't know. Google it later and thank me. (laughs) They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. Now this this was picked out as the, the lead message passage for this series because it's such a, it just starts right there with blessed is the one. Now this translation in Hebrew can mean a bunch of different things, but most commentators say that the thing that captures this word best is happy is. But they all throw this like flag up. But but hold on. It it means happy is the person who does not in this passage. In other passage who does. Or by the time you get to verse 2, the the happy is the person who does this or doesn't do this. But they all throw this like flag up. Wait a minute. Happy is, but not happiness like you can eat some chocolate and get happy. Not happiness like you can catch a little happy feel from watching your favorite show on a Thursday night with your favorite beverage while the kids are all playing Xbox and not bothering you. You know what I'm saying? Not like happy is when the Eagles make the playoffs. Because we all know that those kind of happy feelings are destined for failure. And end in defeat. And are just generally not living up to our expectations. You see, what the Bible talks about when it talks about happy is it doesn't talk about a feeling. It talks about a state of being. Can you just think for a second about the time you were happiest in life? If you could capture that moment or moments or year or month or week or decade, if you're really rocking the socks off life, right, like, If you can capture that and really look at it clearly, you'd say that things weren't perfect. But you were happy. 
if you could look at a difficult, a, a very difficult stretch of time that you've had to walk through, you could say that that was difficult, but could you also say that there were times of joy and peace and happiness in the midst of the difficult? You see, when the Bible talks about happiness, it doesn't just talk about happiness as a feeling. It talks about a state of being. And can I just say that the state of being happy or blessed is a gift that God gives that nothing can take away. You don't feel happy all the time, but you can still be happy. You can be dying on a hospital bed for two months from pulmonary fibrosis and still write a whole series about how to be happy. It's a state of being. And my question for you is the same question I've been wrestling with. Are you just chasing a feeling or trying to find a state? What do you want? If you just want to feel happy, you'll chase moments. New relationships, new things, new jobs, new toys, new cars. You'll chase moments. And those moments will make you happy for a little while. And then it'll wear off. The honeymoon of that new thing will be over. And you'll realize that Reality isn't just a happy feeling. Are you chasing a feeling or would you rather find a state? I, I want to find the state. I want to find a state of happiness, of being blessed, that I know does not tie directly to my feelings because my feelings aren't always truth. I, I want to find a state of happiness that can that can be there as a foundation for my soul when I go through really tough times, really scary times, when I experience loss, when I experience frustration. I want to know that in my deepest identity, in who I am and who God has made me, how blessed and how happy I am underneath all of the complexity. I want to find a state, not just chase a feeling, Blessed is the one who does not. It starts with this progression. Now, this is really important here, and I'm assuming the worship team's going to flag me down when it's time to just shut up and move on, right? Like, th this progression is really important here. Um, Ryan's sweating up at Tremont. He has no idea what's going on. He's our campus pastor up there. Happy isn't, is, isn't, isn't found in this progression. Scripture lays out this progression in verse 1. It says, Walk, stand, sit. You could circle those and ask yourself, what's the progression of your life look like? How, how has your walk with God been? What's your first faith journey look like? This progression goes, walk, stand, sit. And there's three groups of people that it mentions here. Now, I don't like to talk bad about anybody, but there are three warnings here. In this progression, it says the wicked, sinners, and mockers. Just a real quick understanding of what this is actually saying is when it talks about the wicked, what it's talking about is people who don't really take God seriously. It's just kind of like a, 
fun little thing that they do once in a while maybe. They don't really, it's not real important to them. It's not real important to their life. They kind of like, it's kind of like a joke. Mostly it doesn't really mean anything maybe until life gets really hard and then they'll tune in to God for a little bit. But then they're done. They just play loose and fast with all of the decisions they make, with all the things they do. And mostly what you start to see in this first group of people's life is they're people who would rather be gods of their life 90% of the time. And then when that doesn't work out, flip on the God switch, the other 10. They just play loose and fast with life, with their feelings, with their decisions, with others. And God is not in the picture until things get really difficult. The second group that it's talking about are the sinners. These are people, like listen, that's all of us on some standard, right? Like the word sin means to miss the mark, and we've all sinned, we've all missed God's ideal mark for us in thousands and thousands and hundreds or whatever of different ways. None of us, nobody's perfect. If you're a perfect person, you found the wrong church. There's probably some, uh, some other perfect church out there but I know this, it doesn't have me as a pastor. And uh, if you're perfect, this is a place for imperfect people. But when it's talking about sinners right here, it's talking about the, the progression. You go from people that play loose and fast and God's not really serious. It's not an important consideration in their life. It's, it's not, he's not somebody who means something real to them. And he's certainly not fi actually filling the role of God in their life, to this group of people that it says, or stand in the way of sinners. Now, these are people who are embracing missing the mark. Not accidentally missing the mark. Not like losing your cool missing the mark. Not like saying something you shouldn't when you're caught in traffic or making a gesture you shouldn't when you're caught in traffic missing the mark. Not like just caught me off guard in a bad moment missing the mark, right? Like these are people who have embraced Missing the mark. And then the last one is a company of mockers. Now what's interesting about these people are these aren't just embracing missing the mark in life. They're okay with it. They like it. They love it. These are people who have altogether come to a place where they've rejected God. And they were, are outwardly expressing their rejection of God. So it means to mock in this verse. You see the progression. You don't end up where you want to end up. You just start by walking in the wrong space. And when you walk in the wrong space long enough with the wrong people long enough, eventually you're going to stop walking and you're just going to be standing with them and embracing things that are less than what God has for you. And when you embrace those things long enough and you sit in that space, space long enough, eventually, stand in that space long enough, eventually you're just sitting. Here's, here's how it says it. I read one guy, I forget who it was, I can find it if you're really interesting. It, one of the commentary, one of the people who study scripture, they, they put it like this, he said, first you're just thinking wrong, and then you're behaving wrong, and then you're belonging wrong. You don't belong in such a worn out, beat up, angry place. You don't belong there. You belong here. Belonging there is a mess. 
chaff. All my baseball play. Any little leaguers out there in the building, something probably all up in the kids group, right? Like any little, you know, like any baseball players out there, baseball fans. Part of baseball is bubble gum and sunflower seeds. It's part of the beautiful thing about baseball. I love baseball. It's my favorite sport. And what I love about baseball is more than just hitting a baseball. It's like a whole experience. I remember when I first got sunflower seeds, you get it some 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 barbecue right now they have like pickle flavor i don't get it i think we're getting a little crazy we're reaching a little with the sunflower seeds these days i think the marketing department's got to come up with something different than just come like adding a new flavor what's next meatloaf sunflower seeds you know like but but we used to rip open the barbecue seeds and throw them in your mouth and the first thing we would do when you're learning to chew seeds is you would just chew up the big hunk suck in the juice from it and then spit the big wad of messy sunflower seeds right on the dugout floor it was gross some coach would step in it get really mad but they didn't want to take the seeds away so you just keep doing it eventually you learn how to like peel the seeds and take the good stuff out and then spit out just the shell the word chaff is the spent shell. It don't got no more barbecue flavoring on it. There's nothing nutritious about it. If you keep it in your mouth and you gnaw on it, it's going to cut your gums up. You guys gotta play more baseball, seriously. (laughs) Go buy some David sunflower seeds and chew them this afternoon. It's a great experience. The chaff is talking about in this passage is a spent shell. You don't belong there. You are so much more than a spent shell. You have meaning and purpose with God. Value, you are uniquely designed. And in this life, even even if you haven't acknowledged it, you have a unique calling. And God's put you here for a purpose. It's, it's one of the most beautiful things about life. It just, it fascinates me about God that somehow, someway, he would choose this jacked up, broken purpose for his purpose. This jacked up, broken person for his purpose. You're jacked up and broken sometimes, but he has so much purpose for you. You have so much value to him. You're so important. And you don't belong in a space of misery where your existence is a shell of what God has designed you to do. Nobody ever would say, make me a spent (laughs) David barbecue flavored sunflower seed that some kid chewed on and spit out on the dugout floor. Nobody would ever go into life saying, that's my dream. But we end up there because we just start walking in the wrong spaces with the wrong people, journeying through life, listening and taking advice, not from people who are also trying to follow God and embrace their purpose, but from everybody else out there. We, 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 we take their advice, and next thing you know, it affects not just our thinking, but how we behave, and how we behave affects how we feel we belong. Listen, you belong here with other broken, messed up, sinful people 
we're all trying to find more of God. To grow in our walk with him. This is where you belong. It's a mess being a spent sunflower seed. It's, if you don't get anything out of this, <laughs> get that. But, and that's a really important part of verse two. But, this is the, how not to be the progression that, that isn't blessed, right? But there's a way to live your life that steps you into a state of happiness, of feeling blessed. You want more real happiness as a state of mind and being. It's, it's right here. But their delight is in the law of the Lord. Now, when it says law of the Lord, it's not just meaning his law, which in this time, when this was written, what people would have naturally thought of the Ten Commandments. It's all of this. The law of the Lord is the Lord. It's saying delight in God and meditate on his words. Now, some of y'all are practicing that right now. You're sitting here, like, delighting in God. You sang some songs. You're trying to learn more about him, and you're meditating on his word. That word meditate, the word delight actually means to bend towards, right? You, you bend towards. You have a tendency towards God. You want to lean into him. You want to lean in and experience more of him. You want to lean in and learn more. When life gets tough, you know it's not you, you don't want to just take off. You, you want to push in and ask some tough questions and learn more of this God. And, and the word meditate, I think it's hara or something like that. In the Hebrew, it actually means to ruminate, almost like you're muttering to yourself in the Hebrew words, to just roll it over and over and over in your head. Now, you do that in practice about life all the time. A lot of you go to bed, and you're muttering stuff in your head. You're thinking, man, I got to get up tomorrow. I got to do all this stuff. Josh is probably going to sleep in past his alarm clock and hit the, hit the snooze button 10 times. I'm going to want to choke him out before we even get coffee. But, you know, like, it's just, it's just <laughs> we ruminate about stuff a lot. This passage is saying, like, the, the progression will take you away from God, and in doing so, it will take you away from experience the happiness he has for you. But there's a way to slip into the state of being happy. And it is to start delighting in God and to start taking this on your own. Not just in a sermon or from a podcast or a YouTube video. Taking this on your own and just reading it and letting it sink in and muttering it over and over again and reading it and muttering it and reading it. And you can't do that. You can't find happiness just by listening to a sermon. Even if the sermons are kind of killer. Not mine, not mine. To ruminate. Listen, that's the key. There's other things that are important, like Hebrews 10, 23 to 25 talks about the right kind of progression. Let me just read that to you real quick because I, I don't want to, I want to set you on a different course. If you've been walking with the wrong people and you find yourself standing in the wrong spaces and sitting in the wrong kind of crowd and it's taking you away from God, Hebrews 10 
uh, verse 23 and through 25 is a great verse. It says, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful, and let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as the day is approaching. The worse things get, the more you need less advice from everybody and more advice from people who are following God as well. The messier life gets, the, the, the less you need someone to tell you everything you're doing wrong, and the more you need someone to encourage you to do right. The messier life gets, the less you need just anybody, and the more you need God's people. If you... If you can't delight or meditate, I get it. It can be really difficult. I pulled five things out from my past that I found have gotten in the way. There have been times where I have been so sideswiped by life, so messed up by my past, so, so in the struggle that I would say, I don't know if I'm delighting in God. I don't feel like I'm delighting. I don't. I don't know if I'm bending towards him. There, there have been times where I found it really difficult to meditate on his word. To, to, even though it's what I needed the most, I found it really difficult. And here's some, some things if, if you're finding a hang-up. Ready? Here's number one. If, if you can't delight in God and really meditate on his word, maybe you're stuck in religion. I've been stuck in religion. It's a dutiful checking of a obligatory box so that you do what's right in hopes that one day when you die, God will say, the right stuff outweighs the bad stuff. Come on in. That's not how it works. It's not the Bible. This isn't pushing religion. It's saying you need a relationship with God. And if you're stuck in religion and you're treating church and you're treating the Bible like a dutiful obligation to win the approval of God, it's going to turn up empty. You don't need to win God over with your behavior. You just need his grace, which he freely offers you. You can't earn his love. He already gives it to you. It's free. It's on the table. It's just a gift you unwrap. Sometimes I think if we can't delight in God and we can't meditate on his word, we're letting our past kind of cloud everything. We're, we're stuck in our past. It's easy to get stuck in our past experiences with others. This, the, it's easy to get stuck in past disappointments from people, past betrayals. It's easy to get stuck in a lack of being able to trust others. It's easy to get stuck in past disappointments and how things were better then and they're not good now. It's easy to get stuck in the past. And if you're stuck in the past, you need to know that God has freed you from all of that. He will heal your broken heart and he has a future full of hope for you. You just got to let go of the past and embrace what he has for you. No wonder you can't delight in him or meditate on his word if you're hanging on to 10 years ago. I'm sorry 10 years ago was the worst. But he has something new for you. He says in Isaiah, can't you see it? I am doing something new. I'm making a, come, somebody like get fired up about this. I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the desert. 
for you. People ask me sometimes, why do you yell so much? It's because, you're, I don't know, I'm worried you're sleeping. <laughs> I'm excited. Uh, sometimes we let our present blind us. We get, we get stuck in the present. We don't see that God is working in all things for the good of those who love him. Even if your present is trashed, God is providing people to come alongside you, to love you. He's going to do something new in you. We have such a, such a big view of such a short time. This will pass. And then I think we uh, don't understand the heart of God. That's the fourth one I have written down. And the fifth one is we want less than what he has for us. We don't understand the heart of God towards us. And so we want less than what he offers. You will never be able to find on your own a state of happiness that he wants to give you for free. It doesn't come from chasing things. And if you could step through whatever is keeping you from delighting in God and meditating on his words, if you could see it clearly and believe and trust what he has for you, if you could do all of those things, you would find yourself being like a tree planted by streams of water, yielding fruit whose leaf never withers. Listen, this was written in an arid climate, desert-like climate. Trees by streams of water. It actually means a tree planted by where like the stream comes from the earth, the freshest water, the best water, the life-giving water. Fruit in a land that is barren. Plentiful, good fruit coming from a life that is grounded in God's word and a life that is falling more and more and more in, a, in love with a God who loves you unconditionally. I don't know what's getting in the way, what the hang-ups are. I don't know what your struggle is. Maybe it's been, you've been missing the mark. You've been sitting in the wrong places and walking with the wrong people and doing the wrong things. It's affect your thinking, and you don't belong there. And if that's the case, it's time just to say, God, I'm sorry. In my actions and my thoughts, I've chosen to miss the mark. And I've experienced so much less than what you have for me because of it. If you could turn your heart to understand who God really is and what he has done for you and start to delight in him and pursue his word to understand more of him, you would find the state of blessed happiness settling into your soul. I want that for me. I want that for you. I want to be happy. But I don't want to be happy like that feels good for a moment kind of happy. I want to be happy deep down where nobody can steal it from me. And I know that life is complex. And no matter what, I'm going to have trouble. Jesus actually promises that as part of life. I know that there's sadness that's gonna come with joy all from good things that I want. Life can be difficult. 
But in those difficult days in my soul, I want to know that I am so blessed. And because I am so blessed, I can be happy as a state of being because of God's great love and act of redemption for me. Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you so much. Uh, for your love for us. Um, We don't want to just chase feelings. Help us to see our default clearly and know that you offer us something better. Our future lies with you and nowhere else. Our hope is anchored in you and nothing else. Our joy It's sourced from you. Everything else will fail. It's difficult walking through this complex life. So difficult. And we need you. Help us to see happiness in a new biblical light. And change our pursuit to something so much more real than just chasing feelings. Help us to chase more of you. Because when we do, we find everything that we've been lacking. In Jesus' name, amen.